Welcome to the Revenue Accelerators Podcast, a show featuring B2B sales and business leaders. Hosted by Excelogy founder and 19-year sales veteran with leadership experience in strategic enterprise and telecom sales, Deep Trikonod. This show uncovers strategies and techniques business leaders have used to go from zero to one and beyond. If you enjoy this content, please subscribe, rate, and review the show to help us reach more people. Revenue Accelerators is brought to you by Excelogy. We help B2B sales leaders improve sales performance by leveraging our patent-pending data-driven sales coaching systems. Find us at www.excelogy.com. Enjoy today's episode. Hey, everyone. Thank you guys for joining another episode of Revenue Accelerators. Today with me, I have Ben Albert of Real Business Connections. He is the founder, podcast host, producer, and concierge. Ben, tell me a little bit about yourself and and what you're doing with Real Business Connections. Let's go deep. First off, I'm humbled to be here. This is going to be fun. I, I joke all the time that I ask questions for a living, and that happens in two lanes primarily. There's Real Business Connections, which is uh, five to six shows all on one network where it's all about getting the knowledge from the people who have it to the people who need it. And mm-hmm. I get to ask a lot of questions as a host to help do that. And then Balbert Marketing is actually the marketing leg of my firm, um, where we're, we're asking questions and finding, you know, easy solutions to some complex problems. So that's the short version. Get to ask questions for a living and help a lot of people. I love it. I, in fact, actually, you know, um, as part of my LinkedIn stalking of you, Ben, um, there's actually those two, those two kind of initiatives that you have, Real Business Connections and Balbert Marketing, but those aren't the only ones. Do you want to talk about some of the other, the, the other? Cause we're all hustlers here, right? So, so in terms of the hustle itself, you, you do a lot. You have kind of irons in a bunch of different fires. Um, do you want to mention some of the other things that you do as well? Yeah. Um, well, first, let me just say I've been spinning a lot of plates. And one thing I've learned in time is I actually am a little unfocused. So in the long run, you'll see me doing less things. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have my hands in a lot of buckets. I, I sell, um, make, I sell advertising for a local newspaper. I'm on the leadership team for a networking group. I host a monthly networking mastermind event. Um, and really all I do is in the marketing and relationship building space, but that's only a handful of the buckets I'm working in and the plates I'm spinning. So in the long run, it'll probably be real business connections and everything will fall under that one entity. Um, but you know this as a sales professional. It's all about getting data. It's all about actually going out and trying different things, saying yes to opportunities, trying a different way of presenting, trying a different option, a new activity, figuring out what works, and then doubling down on what works. But when I started my business in 2020 in the midst of the pandemic, I didn't know what was going to work or what was going to stick. So 100%. I threw some things at the wall, man. I was throwing at the wall. And it, I, it, I, it's 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 an in. evolution, no doubt. It's it's and that's largely why I wanted to get kind of start the podcast in the first place is to try and mm. try and um, accelerate my own experimentation and learning by by kind of candidly leeching off of others such as yourself in terms of like the hard school of hard knocks that you have experienced. So I don't have to experience it myself because you're absolutely right. Like in sales in business generally, it's 
it's all about experimentation. It's, you, you know, you try something that kind of makes sense in the moment. You try it. Maybe it works. Maybe it doesn't. And then you build from there. Either you build on what works or you pivot and change. You're like, all right, this is, this is, it didn't work. And these are the reasons why. And therefore I'm going to try something else. So hundred percent. Like I think life actually, it's a good, um, it's a good proxy or good kind of uh, example, even just for life itself. Like you definitely don't want to stop doing what you're doing and just say like, I've already hit hit my goals. I'm done. I'm, um, unless you're retirement age, maybe then that's fine. But even for me personally, even when I do retire, when that day does come, like, um, for those of you, you guys are listening, but, um, I was talking to Ben a little bit earlier. Uh, I have a guitar in the background. I'm a drummer and music is a big part of my life. And so I have aspirations that, all right, when I'm done kind of making money and I'm able to kind of do what I want to do outside of making money, music's going to be where I spend a lot of my time. And I'm, that guitar there is is a, a, a COVID project. So by no stretch of the imagination, am I good at it? I spend about five minutes a day at most practicing. And so it's going to take me a long time to get to where I want to be. But but going back in terms of the growth of and learning, kind of being a lifelong student of sales and or just being a student in general, I think is, is incredibly important for success. So I, I admire the hustle. I, I respect it. It's um, it's great to see. So, so in that vein, what do you envision? Like, what do you want for like? How, if you can define success for real business connections, what does that look like as you build it? You know, it's such a big, complicated, complicated question um, because it's not revenue based. Realistically, I want to make the most amount of money while helping the most amount of people in the least amount of energy spend. Yep. Like I, I'd rather wear twenty. I'd rather let's just use two hundred k as a simple example. I'd rather make two hundred k working twenty hours a week than five hundred k working sixty. Yep. So, truly, success looks like me not worrying about uh, this money's going here this year. Oh, this employee's doing me not worrying about the financials and me just having the capacity to help as many people as possible. Um, and do things I love like music. I play guitar and drums as well, like camping, like traveling, like honestly, like oh, I worked for a company. They said, we don't do anything for free. Like I wouldn't be able to help them in the marketing realm. I would give them a few quick tips knowing that one of two things would happen. They'd either take the tips, implement them, come back for more. I could sell them something. Or take the tips, implement them, never come back, and I helped them. I want to be able to help as many people as I can with my time, but it's difficult to do it if I'm spread thin. So really just having more time on my plate, enough money that I'm comfortable and then getting to do all the fun stuff that that's success to me. And I know it's not a metric, but it's a lifestyle. I suppose. Uh, that's key though, right? All of us have it. And um, I, I aspire somewhat of the same that you're uh, you're preaching here. Um, so, so with, with that, between the two kind of initiatives, the ones that you, that you mentioned, the, there's Balber marketing and real business connections, kind of what is your, skill set what is your offer well, like what's the scope of how you help organizations individuals and or leaders or you know kind of what what is what are you about in yeah the- i mean we we take impact driven relationship based businesses and we amplify that impact um okay. in the podcasting realm a lot of you're not going to start a podcast to become a millionaire overnight you know that i know yes. that been trying how 
However, <laughs> if you're, you have a legacy you want to build, you have an impact, you have a voice that needs to be heard, podcasting is possibly a great opportunity to reach that target audience. And one of my clients, she has plenty of money. She's doing it because she was wondering, well, what legacy am I going to leave when I pass away? What information out there can my children's children listen to? Who can I help? So she's very legacy driven. That's very much the podcast end of things. And then Balber Marketing is where I come from. It's traditional. It's, it's taking growth driven business leaders and helping them with web design, search engine optimization, helping them with their branding and their content. You know, a lot of contractors that I work with, they're a great example. They do top-notch work. They have all of the certifications, but transparently they look like, when you look them up online, they look like they kind of show up in their pajama pants. <laughs> totally. We, and we know they don't show up in their pajama pants, so it's really just my job to allow the online world to properly represent what they do in person, um, and there's many ways to tackle that kind of thing. You, you, you make a great point, I think, um, and, and therein lies kind of the pivot or the segue towards sales. There are a ton of experts, and they are the premier experts at what they do. They just don't present that way. Right. And so... You know, I tell him I have a 20 year old son who's in college still, and I, I cannot impress upon him enough the, the presentation layer of what he brings to the table, right? Because he's like, well, I know the answer to that. He might be, he might literally be the smartest guy in the room at certain times. He's an aerospace engineering major, but, wow. but in terms of like, you still need, even with an engineering degree, there needs to be some aspect of sales because there's the presentation. You got to look good. You got to, you got to speak well, complete a sentence in public, you know, and that goes a long way because nobody wants to hang out with the, the, the guy who might be smart, but looks homeless. Like he forgot to comb his hair or, you know, whatever it might be, the presentation and the pitch and the, the delivery of the messages is equal. If not, well, it's equal, at least equal to the message itself, the meaning of the message. And so, um, all right. So with that, if we kind of go, go into, um, your background, like, so tell me how, how did you get into this? Like, where did you start? And I, I want to ask you a few questions. We can yeah. do that in a second. We're yeah, opening please. loops. I've got sales questions I'm curious about, but I'll answer your question real quick. Um, I didn't imagine I'd be in sales. I didn't imagine I'd be a marketer or an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. um, no Elon Musk or Bezos or anybody yeah. on my wall growing up. Um, at the end of the day, I was just looking for a job because I got let go. I, I was transitioning positions, got let go for my retail job, was a retail manager, I guess. I know now that was sales because it was customer service. It was customer yep. acquisition. It was All of it is. Uh, creating an environment. Everything we do sales, you know that. Yeah. Um, I just see high commission potential sales job and I sign up and boom, I'm cold calling 200 people a day. I'd never made a cold call in my life and I really cut my teeth on getting rejected a lot. But one thing I learned in that role was the more hands you shake, the more money you make. And what I used to have in grit making 200 calls a day, now as a business owner, as I've transformed in my marketing career, I don't really make phone calls like that because I don't have to because I'm selling a different 
way. I'm right. selling more based on relationships, referrals. I'm selling more based on, um, I almost said creating a perception. When I started, it was creating a perception of authority, but now that I've been doing this long enough and have client results, it's actual authority. It's, it's when I got until you make it kind of to, to an extent, and that's why I tell my son as well, right? Like he's like, well, I've never done this. I'm, I'm like, dude, you just fake. You yeah. present like you've done it. Like, like, um, I remember mm. in uh, in college for intramurals, there was one time we were getting, I don't forget, it was football, and we were like getting crushed, and we finally scored. So it was like forty-seven to seven or something at the end, right? And that that's the celebration that we did. We're losing dramatically, like getting pummeled, but the celebration for scoring that one touchdown in intramural like flag football was amazing to where one of our more veteran senior like he was a senior in college at the time i think i was a sophomore and he was like dude you got like calm down act like you've done this before right and that stuck with me like the act like you've done it before is is a little bit of the fake until you make it but it's if you celebrate the little things and i'm not saying you shouldn't but in terms of the the like you need to celebrate the wins don't get me wrong i I, i'm a firm believer in that but the amount of celebration like it has to have context it has to have there need it needs to be like in relation the celebration needs like you don't go throw a super bowl party for i don't know like someone picking up the phone call for your when while you're cold calling right you don't like it needs to be proportional i guess is where i'm going with this so i'm sorry to keep talking over you you keep going you're perfect you're when sometimes when you get started the heaviest thing in the room is that phone and you you get better at it with the reps so that's a hundred percent true celebrate the small wins but realistically it's the big wins that give us the momentum yes. well what i kind of wanted to ask you before and i'll ask you now because yeah, please like back in the day i was the volume approach and i was a little more aggressive like my closing question i kid you not was credit card or electronic check. It was like straight to the point. <laughs> I love it. And now and nowadays when I have a closing, I'm so much more calm. I'm so much more chill with how I handle yeah. things. And I'll ask a question like, Deep, do you feel like this could be the answer for you? And if they say yes and start talking, I just ask, so what would you like to do? And then they usually close themselves, and I don't even ask for the credit card. It's just like easy peasy. It's completely different style, but I'm coming from a place of authority. And my question for you is like, what what do you believe in? Like, is it when you're getting going into a presentation, does it matter if you're excited and energetic and passionate, or is the way you present yourself and the confidence in the product more important than this. Like for me, I had this needy, excited energy and it was like commission breath. Yeah, Nowadays I don't even care. And I sell more. So, <laughs> so that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Um, and, and, and your confidence comes across when you're not needy and desperate and like chicken little running around with your head cut off, trying to like close every deal. Um, I candidly, I still have a little bit of the, uh, need to be liked so there's a little bit of that aspect for me personally um having said that i kind of tailor my messaging in the win win category so it's a little bit less like look i don't care if you get this deal or not it's best in your interest to actually do the deal but it's fine if you don't do it or not right in i've i have that mentality generally speaking even though i want people to like me i want people to buy from me and whatnot um, but 
I try to tailor my messaging around not obviously with the value proposition is one thing, but, but why they're going to win in this and why I'm going to win in it. And so it's more around like, this is a mutual benefit. Sure. Cause, cause I try to, one of the things I used to be a sales engineer mm-hmm. and when you're an engineer in the room, you're kind of the source of truth. You don't even need to like ask, you don't need to demonstrate your value. The fact that you come in and you're the technical person in the room, if you say blue is blue, red is red, they'll just, they just believe it. They don't need to look at the color to be like, all right, he said it's red. It's red. I, I just trust him. Whereas if you're a salesperson, you come into the room and you say red is red. They're like, eh, I don't know if I buy that from you. You're selling me on something. You have an ulterior motive. So right. I try to cut through that ulterior motive myself personally by just putting it on the table. Like, yes, I'm trying to sell you something or my business needs to, needs you to buy this, but this is why. And it's, it's not a, it's not a win lose. It's not a zero sum game. If you guys take this offer, this is the value. This is what it's, what's in it for you. And I'll tell you, yeah, candidly, does the company benefit? Do I benefit? Yes. Right. Yeah. But this is like, it is a win win. It's not like I'm not selling a box of rocks. This is not snake oil. There's true value in this is what I'm showing you the value. And by you doing this, you benefit. And, and depending on the sale, of course, but I look for those nuggets of value proposition that actually do benefit where it's obvious or well I'm sorry it's common sense if you if you kind of follow the thread to its termination point you would figure that out for yourself rather than just being like this guy's a used car salesman he's just trying to get me to pay him money for something that I may or may not need um if i what i found personally is if i actually expose the reason i'm there the reason i'm in the room personally and professionally and company wise represented all but then in context of that, also explain that this is Mr. Customer, whoever partner, whoever it is, this is why it benefits you as well. And I present it as a win-win. I've, I've personally found success in that approach. Mm. It makes sense. I, you mentioned common sense. I think if your product and solution, here's the end of the day. If you're selling a product that sucks, you're screwed. Yeah, that, it, there's no way around it. You're just now you're but, selling snake oil at that point. I, Go find something else. When I started my business, I didn't even realize that, and now I realize more than anything that if you build a good product, it makes everyone's life so much easier. So, assuming you're in a role where the product is a high quality solution that is common sense for them. It, it's kind of like I, I haven't even read Gap Selling, but I understand the concept. You're bridging the gap. Yep. Let's say there's land and then there's a big old freaking dip. And are they going to dive in and swim or are they going to take a bridge? And if you're that bridge, it's just common sense. But yeah. a lot of people come in and they go, you can't swim. You're terrible. You're screwing up. Take my bridge. It's like, no, no, no. Let's figure out where you are. <laughs> yep. Let's figure out where you need to go. And if, only if, our solution bridges that gap, you said it. It's common yeah. sense. It's a no-brainer. That's, so that's key. So, so you might have the next things, you know, the best things in sliced bread, right, as a product. But there are people that, that are, you know, gluten intolerant. Like, they don't eat bread. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it doesn't matter. Like, like so in that scenario... It's, you have to understand who your customer is, what their needs are to your point. Like, I mean, I've had several conversations with other folks that discovery is like the most important thing. So mm-hmm. for you to be able to relate to your customer, you need to understand where they're coming from. And discovery is, is a lot of that. And so to your point, um, 
it's you need to have a good product. And but even having a good product doesn't mean it's one size fits all and it's going to help everybody. There's going to be some customers that you just have to both acknowledge like, hey, this is not this is not the right fit for you, Mr. Customer. And, and not necessarily say that, don't necessarily articulate that, but at least acknowledge that as a sales rep them yourself. Don't try to put square peg round hole and just cramp, you know, shove it in because I think that's worse in the long run because the customer's not you're gonna lose credibility over time if you keep doing that those types of things. Even if you are the, you know, you can sell ice to an Eskimo, like you shouldn't sell ice to an Eskimo. <laughs> like even if you can. You should I not. Hate that. Dude, I hate that phrase. Like, <laughs> Eskimos don't need ice. And, and, and realistically, you make a good point. Like, discovery is super important because some people want more money. Other people just want more time that they can spend in their community church or they want to yeah. – um, they want to bring in and be a host family and like bring in people internationally. People have different goals. And yeah. the product doesn't have to change. But if you understand what they want and why they're, why they would utilize your product, like not, they're not utilizing a product to gain revenue. They're utilizing their product because gaining revenue allows them to do X. And if you can figure out what that X is, that higher motive. Yeah you can communicate in that language pattern. And the product doesn't change, but the way you communicate with your possible partner, your prospect, will change based on what they want. Yeah, 100%. And trust goes up as well. One of the things that I try to get to, a lot of times, like with with even just simple Q&A, right? We teach a new rep certain questions. You ask certain things about, mm. or you teach them, hey, this is in your discovery, ask these three questions, right? And they'll give you an answer. In many cases, it should be a dialogue. There should be a back and forth. Um, I've noticed that sometimes customers will ask a question and the answer could go left, right, center, you turn up, down, whatever. The answer could be all kinds of different things in that, in the moment. I will actually, and, you know, depending on your perspective, I've been criticized for this, but I found wild success. I find it works wildly successful with it. Um, which is what is the spirit behind? Like, why are they asking that question? Right? right. So they'll be like, Hey, does your product do X? Okay. It, the answer might be short and simple. Yes, it does that. Or no, it doesn't. Or, and even if it is a yes, even if it is a yes, I'll be like, yes, yes, it does this hypothetically. But I'll, I'll kind of dig and be like, why did you ask that question? Yeah. Of all the questions you could have asked, why was that the question that you asked? Like where you literally coming? just, is that important to you? It's important because it gives me context. Oh. And I, I kind of confused you in that, but Sorry. that's that's how I would reply. If you say, yeah. you ask a question, and I would just ask, is that important to you? Yeah. And then they can talk about the level of importance and or scenarios where they were with a competitor and the competitor didn't deliver X. Now yes. you know that this is important. You understand why they brought it up, and mm -hmm. then you can answer it rather than just jumping to – your scripted response. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But there's reasons like every, every action reaction that a customer gives you, mm. it, there's a reason for it. There's motive behind it in some way, shape or form. Not necessarily ulterior motive. No, there's nothing nefarious about it, but there's, there's nuggets that if you probed a little bit further on each one, just under the surface of the question, you don't take it just at face value. There's so much to learn from, from that perspective. And that's, and, the, and then for me personally, that's what I use to then help guide and tailor fit the solution. It still might be like, I don't know, 
just a box. It could be just an, a square box, and it could you could put whatever you want in there. And that's what I'm selling. I'm selling square boxes. If the customer asks a certain question, it will help me tailor fit that square box. It doesn't change, but it'll help me position the square box in the way, in the frame of mind that the customer can then kind of see its value or not, or if it doesn't qualify, it doesn't qualify, but, but it helps me at least give me my best shot at like, all right, this is, this will do what you want it to do. Also, you Um, could put a, you could put a bow on the box, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm I'm curious. I, I know I'm flipping this on you, but with probing, I had a sales manager at my first job. And again, I was making 200 calls in a day mm-hmm. and I would actually get like slack for the fact my calls were too long Yeah, because I was a quieter person. I was very like um, introspective and I would ask questions that honestly, a lot of them were bad questions, but I was curious and I hadn't tailored the craft at all. Yeah. Um, but I'd ask questions and I would probe a little bit more. Like, what are your thoughts on that? Someone's working, their sales managers, like you're spending too much time on the phone. They're not a prospect. Move on. Like, how do you know that this is like worth diving into or when it's just like so you're just so their think, therapist you know so i mean you look kind of younger i'm looking for everyone yeah. who's on the audio um, i'm 32 32 32 yeah yeah so and i'm already bald so i mean we, hey <laughs> yeah, i i love that haircut um the uh the one of the things that that there used to be a movie with ben affleck called boiler room I don't yeah. know if you've heard of that movie. So literally dialing for dollars. Like they would, they were constantly, they're trying to rip people off, but nonetheless, they were just like, it was the boiler room. Like that, that term or that phrase is what I've used often in my, my career to represent where sales is not really sales. Like it's like, that's not sales. You're, you're literally just, it's to close a deal within 30 minutes or less of first meeting a person like the telemark, the true telemarketer, right? Yeah. Um, it's so, to me, it's so, I don't know, it's like an unfortunate side. Like SDRs now, like what, what used to be called telemarketing is now basically SDRs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and there's value to that, but trying to close it on the first deal is is, is kind of shady, right? And then to your point, there's a business around um, sales management or SDR management today or BDR management is all around like how many calls did you make because it's a numbers game, right? So it's like 2% that'll get you to the next. So that means in order you need to, to get two calls to make meetings, you need to, to make a hundred calls, hmm. right? To get 2% or whatever the conversion rate is for your product. Um, I have never succeeded in that. I'm never fortunate, knock on wood. I was an engineer, sales engineer in enterprise for a pro- for a technical product. And then I just got lucky and didn't have to go that route to, to get into sales. But um, I have friends that are in the dialing for dollars business at the moment, right? Where they're being measured on how many calls, how many touch points, how many emails did you send today, how many social media output did you do? And they're tracking all that because it's it, from a management sales management standpoint, it's a numbers game. And I get that. I do get it. Mm-hmm. However, having said that it doesn't, like it, it, it definitely builds from a sales rep making those calls. It for sure hardens, it thickens your skin and it, it allows you to take rejection in stride. And I think that's the biggest value you get oh, yeah. from going through the, that activity. I don't think that you're learning true sales skills when doing that to your point, mm-hmm. right? Like I don't think that 
you're given the time to explore, to have those conversations. Cause it's not about relationship building at all in that, in that environment where sales is relationship building. So to me, it feels like there's, um, I, I sent my son a, I saw on LinkedIn, some, I forget where it was, but this guy made it a goal to get like a hundred no's per day. Like his goal literally was to hear no from random people as many times as he could per day. And so yeah. he would literally, he'd, he'd ask like the blatant no question. Like he'd be walking down the street. They stopped at, stopped at a light waiting for the crosswalk. Some, some ladies standing next to him waiting to also walk. He'd be like, Hey, can I have your purse? <laughs> like, like the whole point was to get rejection so that he wasn't afraid of asking the question or it, right. like the fear of getting a negative answer didn't slow him down. And I think that's to me, the biggest value of being an SDR telemarketer doing what you did is building that thick skin. So you understand how to take it and then build upon it going forward so that you don't take no for an answer. Right. Because honestly in sales um, and I'm doing a lot of this talking, I really want to talk to you about stuff, but um I feel in sales, you can't um, let a no. It's like in an opportunity, in a sales opportunity, in a sales motion, the um, there are many doors to to open and close to to win to actually get your business in the door. There are many of them. Mm-hmm. If you hear no from one and you close the door and you move on to the next customer and completely say, "All right, that's closed, lost. I have no shot at it." Like that's what you get when you don't go through the, the SDR program and you and you don't have a thick skin. You're like, all right, well, it's done. They're not moving moving forward. And I, I'm telling you that from personal experience because I've done, you know, in terms of probably not as many calls as you made in your lifetime, but I've made a decent amount in my last 20 plus years in sales. And probably more than me overall. I'm coming to this conclusion that that it's not one door. And so you just have to be persistent. If the if if John Smith is telling you no, then go to Jane Doe or whomever else, like in the same organization, kind of keep talking, keep, because especially if you going back to the earlier part of our conversation, if there's, if you feel it's a win-win or there is an actual value of your product for that customer, you shouldn't give up because it, you're not hurting them or you rather, you might be hurting them to not sell your product to them because they might be doing it all wrong right now. So it, it's a benefit to them. You just have to, you have to raise their knowledge. You have to educate them a little bit. And yeah. in, in most cases, they're not ready to be educated. No one is. Kids in school are not ready to be educated and they're in school. So it's education is a hard thing. And that's part of our job. So well, I'm, I'm going to pivot. Just I'm really quick, very quickly on that point. I um, mean, every industry is going to look different, but have a conversation with marketing. Understand yeah. what marketing's doing, understand what leave behinds, what kind of resources they have, if they have an email list, drip campaigns, things like that. Have a conversation with marketing because calling someone out of the blue to say, Hey, I'm just following up deep, hey, I'm just following up, like that does not work. No. And it might require persistence, but it also might require you stepping away and allowing marketing to play its role or provide you resources. So when you're like, it might take time, but it might actually not be a sales situation at some points. It actually might be uh, marketing's ultimately time to grab the torch, develop that relationship through content, emails, things like that. So when you follow up farther in the future, it's a warmer prospect yeah. that you can build so, that relationship. So have a conversation with marketing is my whole you, point. Yeah, yeah, no, I mean, you're absolutely as many people in the organizations, you have perspective from everyone to understand. And also, also will, will kind of help you 
know where the bodies are buried a little bit better in yeah. terms of if there's polit- internal politics, then you know you how guys to buried, navigate. You guys burying bodies are out here? <laughs> <laughs> right? Exactly. I mean, uh, that, yeah. So, um, I'm just messing with you. How did you, so how, so you, you make a lot of good points. You ask some awesome questions and I'm sorry to suck the wind out of this conversation, but how did you get to where, how did, like, how did you know what you know? Like, besides obviously hearing no a hundred times a day, how do you, um, you know, you mentioned talk to marketing, reach out, right? Like, what, what were some of the lessons that you learned? How did you learn these lessons? Cause, or did they teach that to you in school? They don't teach it in school. Um, I'm obsessed, and I won't go deep into this, but I've always been a little bit of a of of a, of a obsessed person. Like when I was younger, I was trying to figure out like how to talk to girls and like the social yeah. dynamics. Like I didn't understand women. I was awkward. I was weird. I was like that guy trying to figure out how to talk to girls. And yep. then I started partying and then I became obsessed with drinking and that wasn't serving me and it was sending me in the wrong path. And I've just taken this obsession with all it's finally I'm putting it into something that makes me better and not bitter. And that's mm-hmm. understanding business, sales, marketing, and directing that energy to something that can actually help people rather than like drinking and grow stuff like that's kind of a selfish motive. Yeah. And I'm focusing on growing as a business professional. And, um, I, I steal this line from Brad Lee. He's a great sales guy. Um, Lightspeed virtual trainings, his company, but Brad Lee says there is no key to success. There is no key to success. It's a combination lock. So similar to a padlock at the gym, everyone has their own unique combination. So really all I do is learn from as many people as I can, take in as much observational data as I can, run experiments and test myself, and figure out what my combination is. Um, Because it's easy to put together a playbook and then give it to someone. But Based on their style and personality, they might not be able to run those plays and it might not be a good fit for them. So 100%. it's really, again, being obsessed in a good way with learning and development, surrounding yourself with the right people, the right mentors, the right peers, extracting that wisdom, and then trying new things till you figure out what works for you. And then stay humble because it might stop working <laughs> as the times change. Uh, and, yeah, and that's just, it's the broad strokes, man. And, and if I were to go any finer, it would be very individualized, but that's the broad strokes. Yeah. Um, do you have, I mean, are you willing to share an example of an individual lesson that you might've learned that com- comes to mind at the moment of specific, a nugget that you can share with the, the listeners? Um, one thing that Jeremy Miner, um, NEPQ, Neuro Emotional Persuasion Questions, is kind of his methodology. Mm-hmm. He says, ABD, always be diffusing. That's okay. been huge for me. Always be diffusing the sa- sales. Take the sales energy out of the room. When Deep says, why should I go with you? Why are you the best fit? Whoa, 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 Deep. I don't. I don't actually know if I can help you or not yet. Can I ask you about X, Y, and Z? It's like, I don't even know if I can help you. Yeah. Like (laughs) things like that. Um, Okay. Instead of like, ooh, I've got the best product. Ooh, I've got the best service. Listen to how great I am. It's let me hear about like why you're even looking for X. Yeah. Why'd you even take this meeting? 
diffusing the sales energy, detaching from outcome, just in that, you're perceived as a higher authority. It's not, hey, uh, are you available or a two or four? Like it's so classic sales energy. It's yeah. more like, um, yeah, let me just check my schedule because I don't know if I'll be available just randomly. Um, can you pull out your calendar and tell me where you might be available? Like, you, you don't want to act like a salesperson. You want to diffuse. And the best way to diffuse is to de detach from outcome and just position yourself as a busy authority. Like, even if you're making 200 calls a day, yep. don't give off that energy. Give off the energy that this is the only call you've made. Yep. And you don't give a crap what happens. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's just a couple random tips I that, that I learned from Jeremy. I love it. So, and then what I, what I respect is that you're not, you don't wait because it is a bit of, um, there is a bit of arrogance in this is that I'll just learn from the mistakes that I make, hmm. not from other people's mistakes. I'm not going to be observant to like, what are other people doing and where are they going wrong and how can I benefit from someone else's school of hard knocks? Um, cause when I say it's a bit arrogant to you, you know, you mentioned being humble is, is if we're not proactively consuming knowledge and we're waiting for it to be delivered to us, no matter what shape or form, books, lessons, out, outwardly seeking YouTube videos, even podcasts, then um, the reason I say it's a little bit arrogant is because you think you have enough knowledge at that point. You're content with the knowledge that you already have. The presumption is that you already have that enough knowledge to be successful. And like we talked about earlier, it's not a, it's not a threshold game, like where you just, okay, I'm done. I know enough. I'm good. That's not how this game is played. There's, so, there, um, there's no end destination. It's only a constant evolution. And when you realize that, that you're always evolving, you're either living and evolving or you're dying and depreciating, you realize you need to be curious. And we talked about this before. If you can understand not what they tell you, oh, I want to make more money, but what the money does for them. If you can be curious enough to probe, like you said, and ask those insightful questions, you can create a di dialogue that diffuses sales energy and allows them to be empowered to buy rather than you having to close them and answer a bunch of objections because they feel like too much pressure. Yeah. And that kind of just wraps everything together as far as I'm concerned, Deep. That, that is awesome. Um, ben, we're coming kind of close to the end. I, yeah, I want to go all day with you. It's yeah, I mean, I could, I ever. could, I would probably bring you back on. Um, is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with kind of share with me as well? And, um, and we'll definitely take this offline as well, but anything that we'd like to close with, you know, a good simple thing that anyone can do is once to, I don't know what your sales structure looks like, but just once a day, whether it's Facebook, like DMs, whether it's your email, scroll to the bottom and send a message and make that message valuable. I like to sell, send people funny memes, especially when I'm dealing with like blue collar. I just send them a goofy ass meme, but scroll to the bottom, send a message. If you're doing a lot of outreach, send 10, but put it on your list every single day, send a message to add value. Don't say, hey, just following up. 
Send them an article. Send them a meme. Send them something valuable. Make an introduction. If you give, you will receive. And if you make a habit of doing that daily, your sales career is going to go better. I couldn't agree more. Ben, thank you so much for, for hanging out. Uh, we went a little bit long. I'm grateful to you and the listeners for, for listening in. Thanks so much. And wish you all the best with Real Business Connections. Thanks, Steve. Be sure to check us out at www.excelogy.com. 